0: Hello, I'm Jensen Bieler. And I'm Quentin Wilson. And together we are the Two Enthusiast Podcast. The Two Enthusiast Podcast, revved for your pleasure. Huh? Huh? Yeah. Really? I thought that, one, that one was revved pretty good. Revved for your pleasure. Revved for her pleasure. Revved for her pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not... Does it change? Does it get better if I do different inflections?
1: Not really. Not really? Okay. No.
0: Well, you can blame Kyle Mayer then, because that's his idea. He sent it in on the old email box.
1: Maybe if we had the Wonder saying Wonder That would be, okay. Wonderleech. Wonderleeched for her pleasure. <laughs> that Wonderleech.
0: That, well, <laughs> that would be pretty hey. good. So, so funny story before we even, we're not even going to get in this far to the show before we get on a rabbit hole. I had someone in the industry approach me and ask, how much did wonder leech pay us
1: <laughs> that's right to you told do that, that whole that
0: whole <laughs> and the answer is zero so the joke's on us so <laughs> you're welcome for the free marketing yeah please support your local podcast <laughs> you can find us at two enthusiasts at asphalt for all your advertising needs i did get a chuckle out
1: of that i was like well that would have been a really good idea if we had done it that way but we, we no, we're, we're, we're not. legitimate that just legitimizes us that we were doing that not for money. We are not shills. Too legit to quit. Yeah. Too enthusiast legit to quit. It's We're working on it. We'll work on that with the tagline. We'll, yeah, we'll keep i that I've around. got a couple taglines coming up. <clears throat> we'll have to. Oh, yeah. I'll have to raise my hand for one at some point. Yeah. All right. Well. Not now. I, I'm not. got to tease me. I got to wait a whole nother week. Mm-hmm.
0: Jeez Louise. Uh, Quentin, before we get started, I do want to make a quick mention that Michael says passed away this last weekend. Uh, he was a big part of both your and I's careers in motorcycling and, and, you know, definitely touched our lives in different ways. Uh, I think we probably won't go into it too much this show. I think we'll save maybe the next show for talking about Michael and his life and our interactions with him. I know we've got probably a memorial for, uh, him coming up pretty soon and maybe we can get some stories from people that have, Worked with him at Moto is and 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 knew him well, and we can maybe share those on the next show. So yeah, I wouldn't say something to look forward to for the next show, but that's just kind of a primer for where we're headed.
1: Yeah, it's a bad deal.
0: Yeah. Um, but I think um, I think he'd want us to talk about motorcycles. Sure, because he liked talking about motorcycles. Yeah,
1: no doubt. Right he'd he'd want us to ride them and talk about them. Yeah, for so sure. So I did that this past week. Yeah, yeah. So we both rode some bikes this past week, and um.
0: So I want to talk about riding the Africa twin. I want to hear your thoughts on the Ducati Multistrada, but maybe to segue into that, it was interesting to see this past week that Husqvarna, um, put traction control on all their four stroke bikes for the 2017 model year. They'll be out in a couple weeks, and, but this isn't the first time this has been done. No, no. Kawasaki did it on their KX 450 and, and I think that's the first consumer available bike, but this has been something that's been in the space on the racing side in some form or another in some illegal nature or another and or maybe legal you know, or maybe well that's that's maybe the, that's the i mean what is traction control i mean that 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 gets into <laughs> it though right like so like there's the can of worms so i think we had an asphalt and rubber reader kind of call us out and andrew van vossen from albuquerque new mexico close a message like well this isn't real traction control because it doesn't have the
1: front the, and um, rear wheel speed sensors yeah a little uh, little dealies. Right. So that's complete BS. But I mean, okay, so it's not complete BS. It's, it's just It's not. No, it's it's, it's just it, bullshit.
0: It's uh, <laughs> It's not
1: complete bullshit. He's not wrong, but he's not right. No. I think it's the thing, right? All right? So There there's multiple ways to skin a cat, especially with uh, rider aids. We're we going to call it rider aids. Electronics rider aids, sure. Yeah. Uh in the world of trash control, which is Interrupting power, or augmenting power. Yeah, or uh, Yeah, but let's. Most of the time, it is interrupting. Well, I would say or it, keeping power from getting to the ground when it knows it's too much is getting to the ground. It being the, see, the I already, system. I
0: already disagree with you in a way because because I think what you're thinking about in your head is is cutting ignition and cutting yeah uh, the the spark to the engine so it doesn't make a bang to put the power down, but you can also think about traction control being the rider input from the throttle where it's sure. saying like, okay, so you twist hundred percent, but the computer, especially with these ride by wire bikes. Now the computer's like, nah, I'm only going to give you 40%. Like, like you look at a lot of these adventure bikes. So something we're going to talk about later in the show, a lot of these adventure bikes now have like an Enduro motor. They'll take like that 150 horsepower motor, step it down to 150. Well, a lot of that is, is the ride by wire. Yeah, limiting
1: limiting how much you're actually twisting. Sure, the which throttle, is all which is a different thing. But it's all to me. It's limiting, what you're. It's basically taking whatever input you've said. You've requested more torque. It sees that okay, this person wants more torque. Then because it sees other things that are showing that it's breaking traction, it limits that torque, whether it be through throttle, or uh, ignition. ignition timing, yeah. or cutting fuel, or whatever. Right. So the two basic ones are a front wheel speed sensor and a rear wheel speed sensor that know generally how fast the front wheel should be going relative to the rear, right? That's that there, there should be that and they would know it um, at X and Y and Z like where you know, if the bikes leaned over and some, sometimes not, sometimes it's right in older systems just were front and rear wheel speeds. And that's, you know, that, that wasn't that exact as the bikes have gotten more sophisticated and now they have lean sensors and- um, IMUs. Well, the IMU is the, the newest, right? So right. an inertial measurement unit. But before that, it was just a, an accelerometer. And it would know, okay, this thing is leaning. Because what you know when you get on the different circumferences of the tire, because a motorcycle tire isn't the same circumference all the way around and the front and rear changes quite heavily once you're leaning, There's a lot of complication there. So that's one is the front wheel speeds. The other one is what used to be called in the very early days, you'd hear derivative, right? So the derivative type of, um, trash control, which was rate of change or rate of change of acceleration for the motor. It would know this, this computer would understand how fast the engine should be revving under load, right? So if you took your bike, but you weren't in gear, you were sitting there free revving, it's gonna go from 1000 RPM to 10,000 RPM in a split second. But if you're in first gear accelerating, it's gonna take a little bit more time. And if you're in second gear, it's gonna take a little bit more time than that to accelerate from 1000 to 10,000 RPM. And if it saw any spike in uh, in, in that rev or in the time it took to get from two to three or three and a half thousand to four or whatever, then it would say, no, I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to let you go all the way. I'm going to, I'm going to retard the timing or I'm going to, most of the time in that, in that era, it was retarding timing. And it eventually got to street bikes where uh, it was retard, taking away fuel um, because of catalytic converters, right? So there's a few different things that were changing, but we're talking early, late 90s, probably mid 90s, late 90s, early 2000s. A lot of teams had this and, and not many people knew that it was actually, it was there, right? Um, only after, I think, I'm pretty sure it was once Suzuki, once Bazaz, a guy named Amar Bazaz, he was the, the main dude behind Yoshimura in the late 90s, early 2000s, right when Matt Mladen was starting to peak and become the um, over and over champion uh, with the Suzuki Superbikes, I'm pretty sure Bazazz was um, the, the a huge part of the brainchild of making sure the traction control was working. And eventually, you started to hear it. You would hear Matt going through a corner. If he was alone, you'd hear a right, and that that was when. But there was no solid proof, and there was this gray area of good old boy network of AMA and people were denying that it was there. And, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. There's no, see, we don't have any wheel speed sensors. I don't, what, 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 no, no traction control. So there was that for a really long time. I won't get into it too deeply, but I watched it from inside at Yamaha. Um, and that was that. So I saw I saw what you could do with a with a derivative style. And,
0: and, and to be fair, around the same time we're seeing... Or there was speculation and accusations going on the on
1: the dirt side as well, using very sure. similar. Uh, first A48 I raced back in 2010, had a system on, and uh, I, I, I couldn't tell it was happening. I didn't know. And I, I had a little dial on it. I raced in the rain with it. I raced in the dry with it. It was really good, right? I, I The person that had built it, Sage Wilkinson, was really good at what he did, and the bike worked really well. So I just knew it was on there. And I knew that there was a dial that if I needed to dial it, but I never had to touch it and it legitimately would just allow you to haze the tire coming out of you name the turn and it would just drive, right? We could go down a rabbit hole with this phone so much. It's so gnarly, but bottom line, those are the two types, the front and rear wheel speed computer figures it out and then limits it. Or the computer sees a, a spike in, 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 acceleration of the engine that's more than what it should be. Um, So that's what, if the, if these bikes don't have wheel speed sensors on the front, that's what they're using. Most likely I could be wrong. And there might be some wholly different system that I'm not aware of, but uh, chances are that's what it is. And it works pretty damn well. You can get it pretty close, right? So on the dirt bike side, how much do they have to worry about lean? Their bikes are, they're, they're ripping and tearing all over the place, no matter what, where they're leaned at and the, and the tire circumference, they're in dirt. It's got to be a really interesting algorithm compared to the ones that are for street. I don't know what it could be, but...
0: Yeah, that was one of the things I kind of speculated in in the story, not knowing um, a terrible amount of engineering behind it, just knowing the general uh, engineering on how traction control and the broader strokes works. Because I think it would be a very different setup and a very different algorithm with very different goals than you would have for a street setup. Like a street setup, it's very much... Keeping the bike in 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 line, keeping the tire hooked up, not sliding. But dirt dirt riding is so much more steering with the rear, and so much more about braking with the rear tire, steering with the rear tire, letting the rear tire drift around and move, and let the bike move. But you know. I, I'd be very, very curious to talk to to an electronics engineer or a data engineer, whoever is, or a rider. Or I'd a rider. love to talk to one of the riders, that's, especially that's, one that's been that can a and b it for us. Oh. That'd be really interesting. I, I will add to what you were saying. I know the more sophisticated electric bike uh, programs had had a similar style. I don't think any of them would call it traction control, but torque torque control or torque limiter. Um, using the same thing of, okay, we can pull the, we can extrapolate the rear, rear wheel speed off the, f- the front sprocket or on the, uh, the
1: motor shaft yeah. or whatever you want to yeah, call sure. that and interpret how much wheel slippage is going on there. And, and what, I and mean, that probably is simpler because you're only dealing with mainly no transmission. So no transmission and those systems are already set up. Like I remember, so
0: the mission motors guys, the original mission motors effort out of San Francisco, which is now completely defunct they wrote their traction control protocol while at the bonneville salt flats over a single night because they got on the salt and they realized hey like the bike spins a lot here this isn't like a great uh, surface to be running
1: motorcycles on. To be to be perfectly honest, this is the way everybody's everybody gets to Salt Flats and is confounded by this. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's I mean, so many subtleties to it that a lot of people don't realize. They're just like, oh, no, we're just gonna go fast. Yeah, you just pin um, it, pin it and win it. Nope, you got nope. altitude. You got
0: and the salt changes on like an hourly basis. It's a whole thing. So they wrote a traction control algorithm literally overnight, and they said one of the things that that benefited them was the fact that their system's so integrated already. They already the, the ECU is already knowing um and the battery management the bms and all that stuff they're they're already talking to each other on such a high level and at such a fast rate that it wasn't like you really needed to tack on a lot of extra stuff it was just kind of software um which i thought was really interesting from from just a kind of a geek perspective electric bikes kind of already have that hardware that's it's a computer basically so it's just can you write the code in time and 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 then and is your code good enough so that was always i thought really impressive but We'll have to see what happens. I think it's cool that, that Husqvarna is bringing it out for their four-stroke bikes. And I,
1: I didn't read deep enough into it because, frankly, I saw that guy's comment and I had to dig into that guy's comment being like, ah, yeah, it's not as sophisticated, but it's totally still traction control if it doesn't have speed sensors. So I didn't even... I think that distracted me. I didn't look at it. Does is Husqvarna... Is it mode changeable or uh, is it uh, different? Can you vary the levels? You I can saw, vary the levels, well, I saw yeah. the switch, so it looked like it went up or down and you can play with it. You can vary the levels. They have a launch control. Ah, cool. So uh,
0: it sounds like, I mean, I know there's Supermoto, the, the FS450, I think it's called. We don't technically get it in the U.S., but FS? You, it's, so they have the FEs and the fc's so the f oh man so so the fc's are the motocross bikes the fe's are the enduro model bikes and the fs is the four stroke supermoto which you can get in europe very easily and to get it in america you kind of have to like i think you just have to pay cash to be honest i don't think like i think the dealers can order it but it's not like something that's no they're not going to bring it in unless... it's kind of like gray market ish huh well. from what i can understand on it. i could be wrong but that's my that was kind of my take on it like you won't see any Husky dealers, in the but US you want being one, like, don't you? Oh, I'd want
1: one so bad. Oh my god, I would want one just on general principle. That, the more I see the yellow and blue and white bikes out there in general, and Oregon, I I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because it's Oregon, but it just seems like there's a there's a lot of people that like like the weirder bikes, the KTM's and the Husqvarnas, at least where I ride out in the middle of nowhere. So when you see them, you're like, oh man. I mean, I have a sweet dirt bike. I have a Christini uh, Honda. So it has two wheel drive and that's rad, but I still, doesn't mean I I don't, I still don't pine for something new and exciting and different. So when I see those bikes, they're just sexy and they look good. And I, I know they're dressed up KTMs, but that there's some changes. Yeah. There's some subtle changes. I I, I think it's fair to say they're dressed up KTMs,
0: but. They are not the exact same bike.
1: No doubt. And I, I think that either way it's cool and it's exciting to hear that they're they're pushing this limit because it's gonna happen. And then you got the, the Luddites that are like, nah, I don't I don't want electronic controls. And sure enough, I I get it. I'm with them on a lot of the levels, especially in racing. But from a rider standpoint, like really getting down to it and riding these bikes. If it's good, it's good and it works really well. So,
0: It's been interesting because that's been kind of an ongoing thing lately on the site. And I think there really is like a demographic breakdown. I really think it's an older rider thing. I had some guy the other day telling me like motorcycles peaked in the 90s. Everything after 1990 was just <laughs> shit. And I'm just
1: like, really? Like, <laughs> like, really? Like, I don't know if I would pick 1990 if I was going to make that that stance there I was a point in the mid-2000s like if you look at the r6 and the fact that it hasn't changed since 2007 yeah that's one that's an example right i'm not saying that that's the perfect analog for everything but if you look at it it's like we've got on a plateau and it's pretty plateauy right it's now. a
0: diminishing return i will I will say that uh i think older riders are are less enthusiastic about about rider aids and electronics whereas younger riders i think that's maybe part of the allure and maybe that's like the Nintendo generation, the cell phone generation kind of approach to things. I don't I know. I agree
1: with that for sure. Yeah. for I mean, I'm in the middle. Like I've, I've, I've told you before, I feel like even though uh, I don't even, I don't feel like a Gen Xer and I don't feel like a millennial, but I'm right in between. That's well, you're, what,
0: you're more of a Gen Xer than I am. Yeah, but yeah totally. Yeah.
1: But I still feel like because. We're both straddling that, that cusp. And because I grew up with computers more than a lot of my, um, a lot of people that were my age, just be, just because my dad was into them, I was always around it. But I was always around PCs. I didn't even have a Nintendo, so right, I don't I, I call myself Nintendo. But like you say, cell phone. You now even me, I, I didn't have a cell phone until two thousand two, and a lot of my friends had them in the in the mid nineties. So I, I'm kind of a, a late adopter. When I rode that bike, uh, I was talking about earlier, that 848 with the traction control, that was like really wicked. But then when I built my own 848, I didn't put it on there. I didn't, it's like, I want to be able to ride my bike around on my own merit and skill. And I, there's something about well, that, that. Is f-
0: that, is that,
1: I know what you're, I know what you're trying to say. I just don't think merit and skill are the right words for it. It might not be it, but that's the word. Your way own it feels. inputs. Yeah. And, and that I feel that my inputs or our inputs as motorcyclists are more important than what the computer is telling it to do. And the, the fact that somebody else wrote that algorithm to help you instead of you being the one, there is part of me that just doesn't like it. Whereas when I'm riding on a Multistrada Enduro in outer Prineville, Oregon, Central Oregon, and I'm alone and I'm on a bike that weighs 500 some odd pounds and I'm wrapping along on a dirt road, <laughs> I'm pretty stoked to have all those electronic controls.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good segue. Like, I definitely want to hear about your experience with the Multistrad Enduro, because I haven't had a chance to hop on that bike yet. But I can tell you, you know, it was really interesting being out in Moab the last week riding the Africa Twin, because Honda is making such a big deal with its uh, DCT, the dual clutch transmission and so that's something they're taking or carrying over from the vfr 1200f and the africa twins the next well i shouldn't say the africa twins the next model it's been on a couple other models and honda's lineup but the africa twin is a notable motorcycle to to put the dct uh gearbox on because it's it is not it's an off-road oriented adv bike and so this is the first time we're kind of seeing that application of that technology in that space and it was It was interesting um i didn't really care for it on the street i didn't like the decisions it was making you talk about you know the the algorithm and and taking away something and and i almost have to agree with you on that riding that bike on the street because uh the africa twin makes 93 horsepower i think of the africa twin a lot of in a lot of ways like my hyper motard where it's not a terribly powerful engine it's about 100 horsepower but if you gear it right the torque going to the ground makes sense and like yeah okay there's literally nothing left in the bike after 100 miles an hour but it's not a bike you're ever really going to go over 100 miles an hour with and it's the same with the hyper motard that's a bike that's fun up to 60 80 miles an hour if you're going over 100 on it it's the wrong bike for you uh pir is a horrible experience on the hyper motard the cart track up in is a really fun track for the hyper motard um and it's the same with the africa twin so you know hopping off the dct bike to the bike with the manual clutch you know standard transmission hand levers and everything And you're like, oh, this bike's really fun to ride on the street. Oh, it's a lot peppier than I thought. But the reason there's that disconnect is because the DCT is trying to put you in sixth gear when you're going 35 miles an hour because it's just, I don't know, some Honda engineer thought that was a really good idea. And even if you pop it up all the way to the maximum sport mode, it's still kind of making kind of bad decisions for you. And you can manually tell it, you can manually override and hit the little finger switches to go down some gears or take the automatic transmission feature completely off and make it a, a manual shifter, like kind of paddle shifting. It's not, there's no paddles. It's your fingers. It's your thumb and your index finger flicking the gears. But think of it like a paddle. A, shifter.
1: a lot of people understand that from the car world. From the, car world yeah. yeah. Sure. And, and you know, that was, I didn't
0: really like that feature either. Cause I'm like, I'm sitting there. It doesn't really feel like I'm flicking through the gears. And I didn't really like the way the controls were in the left kind of pod cluster for your, your hand. Uh, there's already like twelve switches already there, so it's really easy to get confused. If you know, maybe two thousand miles down the road later, that's something. Yeah, that you comes don't get to used naturally, to it. But
1: Don't you feel that after riding the bike because it's so foreign, you get used to it? Maybe.
0: I mean, you know, I spent two days on the damn thing and I still wasn't used to it. And to 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 be fair, Honda does uh, sell a foot version, so you can get uh, like a foot shifter that'll do the exact same thing, and then. I think that for me might click a little bit better because then it's just like the more modern quick shifters where you can go up and down gears and all you're doing is flicking your
1: foot and it is does not Is that something thing. you could say if you bought the bike with the, this, without the foot thing, could you retrofit that, yeah, is yeah, that yeah, what you Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, Uh It doesn't come standard. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, but it's a Honda part, okay. Honda genuine part. Because I could see Michael that part. making the difference, That right? could make the difference Muscle for Muscle memory me. and yeah. it's, it, like, it's like riding around with an a, 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 a upside down transmission, right? A lot yeah, of people it takes go a to minute. quote unquote GP shift, and it can really be confounding, right? Especially if you you're so used to one way, and you're you know one up, one down, five up, on one down, five up for a really long time, and then you start going into red mist mode with one up, five down. Man, that can be confusing. So I understand that. Yeah, yeah. It it was interesting to see. Now, now take that experience on the road, and let's go off
0: road with it. And I love the DCT. I'll take that all day long. I don't have to mess around with the clutch and feathering the clutch. <laughs> I don't have to pick my gears. I just point the bike where I want to go, twist the throttle, and the electronics
1: figure it I out. I wonder if Recluse makes a clutch for a Ducati Hypermotard. You know what a Recluse yeah, is? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that, it sounds like that it's would be...
0: It's very, I mean, it's similar in a way because it's, it's doing the auto clutch, so that's that's part of it. But the DCT is also, it's it's an automatic gearbox when you let it do its thing. So it's picking the gears, it's making sure you're... you're Uh, in the right gear for the application. And in in the dirt, it seemed to make the right decisions. Whereas like on the street, it really seemed like it was confused on what what should be going on. It just seemed Mm -hmm. like, how can I get 60 miles to the gallon for you constantly? Which maybe some people are into, but... Oh, so it felt like it was in... It literally was in sixth gear when I was going 35 miles an hour.
1: Sure. That sounds like my Mercedes, when I put it in the comfort mode, it just wants to uh, you know, just be a, just whatever. an old man car. Oh, that's weird. Right.
0: <laughs> well, Even
1: the sport mode in that car is of course, kind of very, well, very ARP. Right? And that's
0: the thing with the, with the Africa twin, I would say that the highest level sport mode, it was way too tame for me. I want, I guess I want like the meth crackhead mode because like <laughs> I'm, just sitting, I'm just sitting there we going like, really? Like if you're not shifting if you're shifting before 8,000 RPMs, man, I don't know what's going on, but it was it was interesting to see to see that in application and like I walked away from that not really sure if I would want to buy because it's only a six hundred dollar option so it's it's reasonable now it used to be like fifteen hundred dollars or more so for six hundred bucks more so base model Africa Twin with a clutch lever and gears uh, thirteen grand with the DCT it's thirteen six it's like man I don't know I don't know what I, what I would do
1: probably still go with the manual totally I would too yeah yeah. Just cause, yeah. Go to what you know. Let them perfect. Sounds like they might need to do a little perfecting. It. It should, but you know what? It's going to be software changes. It probably will come down the. That's pike true. Easily. That
0: would be interesting, but I don't think I don't think they see it as a problem. I think I'm that's sure the problem. they don't
1: until the numbers aren't there because people complain about it, right? And of course we'll they'll have to react. It's the same way when the Ducati Multistrada came out in 2010. There was a really uh, intrusive ABS. Uh, uh, algorithm in it, so I mean the ABS would a- uh, uh, activate very easily, and it was a safety thing. I think they were like, "Oh, we're gonna just see how this goes," and then when enough people complained that the ABS would would come on like really quickly, um, they then changed it. I liked it; it actually worked really well for me. But you know, I I was on Road of Road America on a, one of the sales reps' Multistradas, you know threshold breaking into turn five at Road America is gnarly and it would come on and it was just superb it would it would get the thing hauled down you'd feel the in the lever and it would do all the right things and allow me to to break where I wanted to break and I loved it, but then they changed the algorithm and then it was eh, still fine. Right. right. I, but I was okay with that. I wasn't freaked out by it. A lot of people are when they feel that thing, whatever, you know, the pulsing. So same type of thing with this where they might, they're going to change it up. Right. Honda is way more conservative. I was going
0: to say it's way more conservative. I don't think they're going to really view it as a problem. Maybe, maybe feedback from owners will, will change it, but I don't really Did any see of the other journals say
1: anything or did? Were oh you? yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I was with Jamie Robinson from Moto Geo. And there was something wrong with his bike because man, that front wheel was the in the loosen air. The
1: behind the bars. <laughs> <laughs> his front wheel is in the air every time. I think I think yeah. they
0: I think they filled it with helium it, he or something. He has that problem
1: um, on a lot of the bikes that he rides for some reason. Yeah,
0: that's funny because they put him on. But it was funny. I mean, this is this is, you know, I'm making a joke out of it, but it, it's actually a really good example because they put him on the man. They had two DCT bikes, one manual bike. They put Jamie on the manual bike first. And we're doing the road section. And, of course, every stop we do, he's popping a wheelie and, or hell, having a good laugh at it. But then, like, you know, I, tr- I try and do one, too. And I'm like, um, oh, I can't get the front wheel up with the DCT because I don't have the clutch to pop the transmission and there's not enough power here. And,
1: oh. Oh. And so just so you guys know, because if you don't know who Jamie Robinson is, he he runs something called Moto Geo. Yeah. It's his personal... Uh, he does like um he, we were actually talking in the car on like what his focus is and his whole thing is to get
0: people enthusiastic about motorcycles get people on motorcycles and show good times on motorcycles yeah. and he works a lot with Ducati and Alpine Stars and Honda's obviously something he's doing something with and he makes these really cool 10-15 minute videos go check it out it's on YouTube
1: and, super and cool guy you should also know this guy was a a grand prix level 250 racer right? so back when yeah. it was 252 strokes and isle of man tt yep. or, and, and he, yeah and he, he did the isle of man tt uh like in 2007 he was john mcguinness's teammate he was he was like a i think he won fastest newcomer or something like that right he did wouldn't he, surprise me there was some accolade that he got really so he is a hall asser extraordinaire and if you call him a journalist he gets really angry because no, he hates yeah. journalists he's not
0: he's not I wouldn't say he hates journalists. No, he, do, he, he doesn't. He he, take to he them, knows though.
1: that he's not there to be
0: this objective. This was good, and this was bad, and I'm going to you know extrude out these details he on this just motorcycle. Wants to tell you how
1: much fun he's having around he's bikes. Yeah. yeah,
0: he's an enthusiastic dude. It's he knows he's on the media entertainment side. He does a fantastic job. Great, great guy. Like I, like, I really enjoyed riding with him over the week. Always do.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad you were able to see it because it's an interesting juxtaposition. To a a bunch of the other journalists that are there that are kind of, I'm sure there'd be some milk toasty people that aren't really, they're, they're there to do what you were doing, right? Just, which is evaluate and. right. I mean, so here's a
0: great example, right? The, we had, Honda gave us really small groups of journalists on, on the bikes. We're doing waves of three, which means there's three journalists. Uh, We did a street day and then we did a dirt day the next day. And so there's like, and this is in Moab. And this is in Moab, and so like, you know, at any one point in time, there's like six or nine or six journalists in in various stages of coming to Moab and leaving Moab and riding to Moab. But we're only three at a time in our groups of riding, so it's m- me, Jamie, and Kit Palmer from Cycle News. So I think you've got a pretty good spectrum of like old school motorcycle journalism and Kit and Cycle News, new school online journalism with me and Asphalt and Rubber, and then Jamie. With new media entertainment, yeah, you know, in that mix, social media influencer was something we were talking about before the show. Um, so there's a good kind of mix of people there, and we had a really fun time uh, riding together, and all all of us got along great, and um, we went on some gnarly, gnarly off road stuff. So that was cool too.
1: So, were, did you feel confident uh, in the off road stuff?
0: So for me, uh, I mean, I was definitely the weakest guy in the group. It's called asphalt number for a reason. <laughs> but apparently the wave before us was super weak because they were just doing gravel roads and fire trails because those they, they were dropping bikes in the parking lot kind of thing.
1: Yeah.
0: And we went I mean, for my personal level, I was at the height of it. I was I was at the max. I was probably doing stuff that was something I wouldn't have done on my own because the margin of error and the risk would be too high if I got if I fell over in the middle of Maui by myself, I'd probably would have died, kind of thing.
1: So was it more extreme than when we went up and over Mount Hood and then did all that yeah. stuff? Oh yeah. Okay. So at one point, it was really funny because like our tour guides, like this awesome,
0: awesome dude. And I wish I could remember the name of his group to, to give him a plug. But, um, you know, he comes up to this, this little spot and like we kind of talked about it before we got there. And it's basically just this 12 foot drop. And, it, and you look at it and it looks like it's just a cliff 12 feet down. But the reality is like there's there's enough of an angle that it's
1: still yeah, yeah, like sure. you're not really it's falling. It's a trick of the eye yeah. a little bit. Yeah. But still it's a pucker factor too. Oh, man.
0: And he he just kind of like gets off his bike. And I thought we were all going to dismount and and go like sight it out and, and talk about like the <laughs> way down. And it's because like he stops and he kind of looks at it. And he just comes like before I can even like get my kickstand down, <laughs> he's like, all right, let's go. Just follow me. And I'm like... And I see him go, and I just see him just go out of nowhere. I have no idea where he went. And I see Jamie go right behind him, just just dead for all I know. And I'm like, all right, this is either going to be a collection of bikes at the bottom of this, or we're going to be fine. But uh, you know, we did it. and It was cool. Um, and then there was a couple step ups that I think one of them was like six feet up. It was pretty gnarly. Yeah, uh, not my bike, but someone else's did fall there. And mm. then a couple other ones that weren't as bad, but it was. I mean, it was pushing my limits, and it was really cool to.
1: That is amazing. Honda was doing that,
0: and that's the thing, that's right? So cool. So I don't know. We, uh, I don't think it had anything to do with me. I think Kit and Jamie were good enough riders that they thought, like, all right, we'll take these guys on some of the more gnarly stuff. And I don't know what the group spot you was. Very did.
1: fortunate to be able to get to be in the position to be able to do that. I mean, that's it such was a super rad. Cool. It was
0: super cool, and we were riding with. Um, Johnny Campbell, 11 time Baja winner, I believe.
1: And <laughs> this guy is like epic right Yeah. And right?
0: so he's just making it like, that's the other thing too. So he's on an Africa twin and then it's the three journalists on the Africa twin. And all the other Honda guys are with us. Um, Jeff Tigert who raced at Pikes Peak. Yeah. You might've been there when you were there. Oh yeah. Uh, super cool dude. You know, he's there and they're all in like CRF two fifties and six fifties. And, like, oh
1: really? So they're not, yeah, they're okay, not on the I big bikes, sure, on the sure. little
0: bikes. Cause there's only so many of them yeah, in the USA. Totally. Um, so it was just kind of interesting cause like they're all romping around we're having a good time. And, uh, there was some gnarly stuff. We did a photo stop on a, on some slick rock and we found like this little feature that we started jumping. And that's the jump. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that was really cool, uh, doing that. But yeah, just watching Johnny Cantle go like tackle something. You're like, Oh, well that looks easy. And you get to it and you're like, Oh fuck, what am I doing here? This is yeah, how heavy idea. is that bike? It is 500 pounds. wet. 503, I believe wet. Yeah, like fully fueled. How much fuel does it take? It's a small tank. It's four and a half
1: gallons, I believe. Hmm. Four ish. Yeah. Be, it might be four on the nose, or like three. it's around four. The aftermarket's gonna hit that pretty quick. Okay, so four so, and a half gallons, and then I should 500
0: say, pounds with only four gallons but the of DC, fuel. The DCT adds another 30 pounds
1: or so. Yeah, fuck that thing.
0: No way. So nah, and and you nah. can kind of feel it. And like like Jimmy and I were talking. Like it it feels a little bit. Like, there's a little bit more weight higher up. It's yeah. subtle, but, like, it's yeah, there. It's enough. And and I'll add in, when with, with the DCT, there is no clutch. So, like, low-speed maneuvers, like, on-road and off-road, are kind of weird because, like, you're used to feathering the clutch and giving throttle inputs. Yeah, sure. Whereas now it's all throttle inputs, and Honda's kind of, like, simulating that clutch. And there's actually – you can actually put it into a more direct clutch mode <laughs> for, for off-road for, huh. for getting that feedback. But, huh. like, for me, like – that one or two miles an hour tight corner around a tree or a bush kind of thing, that maneuver, it's just kind of, it's just not really intuitive. And then I think the bigger issue, and this is going to be, I think this is where the, the DCT, um, gearbox will come down to whether or not how advanced of a rider you are. Like, like I said, you can't really pop the wheelie. Like if you've got to get over a tree stump or you've got to get that front wheel lofted to get over an obstacle. Wamping on the gas doesn't really do it. You know, I'm not without like a lot of body English and a little bit of a feature to help you. Like it just doesn't, I couldn't get that, that sucker to pop for me. And that, you know, I'm obviously not a good enough rider off road that like, I'm really gonna be jumping a tree stump or something or going over a log like that. Uh, I'll probably just call it a day and go get a cup, a cup of tea. But for some people that's their jam and. That's that's going to be a deal breaker. You're going to have to go to the manual, hmm. the manual transmission, standard
1: clutch, twenty-one inch front wheel on both on all. Twenty-one, yeah. So that's pretty hardcore. yeah, mo- the real, only real change is the transmission. No, oh, I get it. I'm just saying in general, so that the people understand that what we were talking about, because the most of these adventure bikes that are larger adventure bikes, the GS, the KTM, the Multistrada Enduro now, have nineteen inch front wheels. There are some ktms that have a 21 i think the adventure
0: r i believe does and
1: i think some of the 800 cc maybe the triumph 800 and then the bmw 800 might have 21 inch front wheels but i'm not sure is it critical no not at all but it certainly helps for extreme off-road i i would imagine there's probably a break point of weight of a bike where it's like come on if you if you're that heavy that 21 inch front wheel isn't going to help you out a whole lot, but boy, does that 19 make a difference on the Multistrada. So mm-hmm. that's why I wanted to know: Does it feel okay on the? Did you do road riding much? We did 60 miles road riding. We did 102 off road. Okay, so the 60 miles road riding, did it? Did it feel good enough? You
0: know, like that's the thing. Like I was trying to figure it out. Like I really liked it a lot more with the manual box. I had a lot more fun with the manual transmission. I felt like the bike was peppy. I was having fun on it. Uh, I didn't really enjoy the, I don't know if it's the tires or the wheels or the combination of the two, but the, the tire and wheel package for me was really sketchy, kind of going around hard on the turns. What, do you but know
1: what kind of tires it had? Not off the top of my head. Nope. Got it. Um, Nobbies though. Right.
0: No, no, no. We had, we had road tires on and then we went to TKC 80s. I want to say there were Pirelli's for the, the road. road.
1: Okay. So, and then we did TKC TKC80s. 80s
0: for the off road. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Which um, I don't know. I don't think the TKC80 is like a dealer option OEM fit tire. I think that's just what they picked for that day. Interesting. Uh, Because it comes with the road tires, obviously. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, But yeah, I mean, we also were on very sketchy. We weren't on like railing at fast roads. We were on like super potholed, gravelly, oil snaked roads. And in Moab, it was a hot. It was a hot week, and those tar snakes, man. When they've been in the <sighs> heat for a little while, they're, they're super, brutal. super slippery. So I just never really got like the connection I was looking for on road, especially with the DCT uh, enabled bike. But I could see if you could get the right tires on there, something a little stickier, something more biased towards riding hard. I mean, those tires aren't aren't, aren't designed no, for like sure. you know railing railing corners like I would probably want to do. The, and one, that's, time and that's I, fair.
1: the one time I spent uh, a lot of time on a KTM 950 Adventure a few years ago which I'm pretty sure had a 21 inch front and it had hide nows, uh, front and rear. And I rode it to Eastern Oregon and then rode a bunch of dirt stuff out there and then, uh, and back and on the road, it was just kind of like, you're just, that's just communicating on the road from one place to another and not really having a lot of fun. Even though there were some twisty areas, it was like, nah, yeah, I mean, it wasn't. It just wasn't going to be fun. But you're boy, connecting when it, roads to your next off-road adventure. Exactly. Once yeah. you got off-road, it was like, holy shit, that's amazing to go from that. Because I spent a lot of time before that on my ST2, going all over the place off-road. Uh, just on dirt roads though, right? Fire roads anywhere, I had no issue with the SD2, but, you know, it's disconcerting, right? You, you're on a bike with 17s, and even if I, I had at the time something called a Dunlop 616, which came was OEM on a Buell Ulysses, and they're pretty siped tires. They're really good tires. They don't make them anymore. Um, so I was used to ha- having that. That's what I had on my SD2. I did the alley sweeper on it with that. It was That actually worked pretty well for a, a, a touring bike to be able to go off-road a little bit you know, so of, of course I've had a, I don't, I think the right word is predilection, predilectation, something like that for taking street bikes off road. I've had that for years. So this new thing with all these bikes coming out that aren't BMW GSs, gigantic yeah. water buffaloes of motorcycles, I'm pretty stoked by. So on the enduro side with the Ducati. Yeah, because that's what I want to hear about. Okay, well, that's so let's chat. So what what happened was I had the opportunity to go to Bend to go I had to go deliver a bike and pick up a bike in Bend and I was able to say hey that bike the multistrad enduro we had just got last week they get shipped with street tires but there is a situation where Ducati was shipping also these off-road tires which are Pirelli's and they're they're bespoke to the bike apparently and they ship them, uh, I I don't know what the story is, I don't think every bike gets them, but they shipped a couple sets to each dealer. So we spooned them on right off the bat because they look wicked, right? I mean, that's the main thing, is that you get the bike with all the knobbies and it just makes a completely different style. So we had them on there, but I didn't necessarily want to burn them up because most of these knobbies, most of these off-road based tires on big adventure bikes, that you will obliterate them quickly. So I I don't need to ride all the way to Bend. It's a three-hour, fairly straight drive. So the opportunity to throw it in a truck, it's a demo bike, get it out there, and then get on the dirt roads that I know that are in the area was awesome. So I did. So I was able to pick up or drop off this dude's bike, pick up another one, and then unload the multi and go through a, an off-road riding area called China Hat, uh, East Fort Rock OHV area, which is south and east of uh, Bend, And then go up and over uh, Pine Mountain, and I I stayed on roads. I was alone. Um, I I had the bags on. I had those tires. I didn't even check tire pressures. I'm pretty sure they were high, but I just rode it. Just wanted to see what it was like. I left all the modes as they are. I didn't screw around with any of the minutiae in the mode. So on a multi-strata, you can go in, and I could set the suspension tighter or looser if I wanted, or I could set the trash control more or less if I wanted. Is it electronic suspension?
0: Yes, okay. Skyhook. Okay. So oh, okay. Same okay. Okay. type
1: of Skyhook. It's it's the Sachs based Skyhook, which is uh, adaptive, um, active, semi-active. Yeah, semi semi-active. It's only semi because the the springs aren't uh, being adjusted at the same time. It would be fully active if the springs were tightening and loosening. Yeah, right. the, pre- the preload and all that. Yeah, exactly. So uh, get out and the first day I went out with like a half a tank of fuel. That bike has an eight gallon, eight plus gallon gas tank. And when I got on it, I saw it was half tank. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to leave it like that and see how it goes. Right. And it's a big jug, man. This is a big, heavy motorcycle and I'm not used to riding that big. i had had a Multistrada 1200 myself and I'd spent a lot of time on, uh, a bike that, uh, we had built called the Terra Strata, uh, which was a, a Multistrada, um, an older style Multistrada with TKCs and all when that. You
0: say older, you mean liquid cooled, not Pierre Terre Blanche Multistrada. Exactly. The but last the, iteration.
1: The, the the last iteration with the like the Olin's electronic suspension, right? So Motocorsa had built that after I built the Terra Corsa, and it it's a good thing. It was it was it's fun to ride that bike. It has TKCs. It's rad. And my my personal multi, I was very used to, and I had done a lot of off road on that with TKC 80s or with the as shipped Pirelli, I don't know, angels or scorpions or whatever the hell they are. So getting on this bike right off the bat, tall, it's very tall. I mean, it's got a significant amount more um, uh, suspension travel, I forget exactly what it is, but it's at least 40 millimeters, it's huge. Uh, and then the, um, the um, so it has got the, the, the pegs. It's eight, Almost eight inches. Yeah, so, sorry. It's, it's gnarly, it's, yeah. it's impressive, like I, it's the only bike that was taller than that for me was that 950 Adventure uh, that I rode many years ago that I actually had to think about getting on and off of and think about when I had to put my feet down. Like you, I had to concentrate. And I'm I'm five 5'11 with a 32-inch inseam, just to give you an idea. Now the, the seat is shaped well to, sp- to not spread your legs too much so that you, you know what I mean? Sometimes seats can it's be narrow, narrow over, seat. over or square. So then you're yeah. right. So it's good, but I tell you what was really good was when you stand. So the bike is made to ride standing up in the dirt. That's that for me was where it the sweet spot was. If they if they had a design intent, that was it. So when you get up, the the gas tank and the uh, the area where your legs fit, um, if they're ever bent so slightly, is perfection. The handlebars are perfectly placed. They're fairly high compared to an, a, another Multistrada. They're really high. Um, that's good. Cause I always find like on the Twin
0: like, cause I have a longer torso. Yep. I'm how, how tall did you say you were? Five eleven. So I am three inches taller than you, but we have the same inseam. Yeah. So I'm making that all up in torso. Yeah. And for me, like almost every bike I get on, it's the bars are too low and it's the same for the Africa twin ish. Like I kind of had to bend my knees a little bit more and I f- definitely was feeling it in my back because I'm leaning into it too much. And so to hear that that's a taller stance, I but, think by long benefits me a lot. It
1: does. But when you're on it, on a gravel road and you're sitting and you just want to sit for a while. Yeah. Holy crap. Is there a disconnect? So it's interesting. You're like like ape hanger in it. Yeah. It, <laughs> and then it, it doesn't feel that good. And I, I'd be going along and I'd get the the front end it would jiggle one way or jiggle the other. Cause it, that does I hate when my front end jiggles. Uh, I love it when my front end jiggles. <laughs> so then I, when you stand up, immediately it saw it just goes to perfect, yeah. right? Immediate. So I'd, I went and I did this all in enduro mode, didn't s- change one thing, right? And that I was pretty stoked with because it worked really well. And then when I went up, see, and up, see, just sorry, I got to interrupt no, you. No there. problem. Because that's
0: one of the things I think Honda totally fucked up on the Africa Twin, and it was something like we were making a joke about when we um, when we were riding because. Every time you turn the Africa Twin off, it resets all your electronic stuff. No, yeah. Oh, dude. And like they made it kind of easy, so like to turn the rear wheel ABS off is a button on the dash. So you just hold down for a couple seconds to to engage the clutch more directly. That's another button that you just kind of tap. But that would bug the shit out. But when you're in the DCT bike, okay, so you you flick the bike on. The bike starts up. You hit the starter to, to get everything going. The bike starts in neutral. Even if you were in gear, it pops yeah. itself into neutral. Sure. So then you have to hit a button to engage it into first, You hit it, which puts it into D mode. But if you're like me, you probably want to womp, romp around in S mode.
1: I figured so you, you like hit D you mode hit, all the time. I'm all
0: D mode and then out. <laughs> no, but i like, no, I'm all about the S mode. So I'm flicking it into S mode. So I have to hit that button again. And then I have to, I will say to their credit, to turn the traction control off is another button on your left hand little pod cluster. Yeah. So that you just hold that down and then you turn off your ABS and then you hit the G mode to get your clutch doing what it's got to do. And you sit there and it's just like, like, I mean, I might as well type an email out while I'm doing it because you're just hitting so (laughs) many goddamn buttons. And for us, like it's a little bit more exacerbated because we're on and off the bikes so much for photo stops and stopping for for things, but it would drive me up a wall. And it was like, we would just laugh about it because it's just silly because like, we'd stop or we'd have something. We'd have to kill the engines to talk and then like, okay, go. And like, you know, no, the- wait, 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 give me a couple
1: minutes to get my shit
0: sorted. Yeah, and all the Honda guys would be like romping off on their little two fifties and six fifties and four fifties. And like all of us journos are sitting there like, hey, I got that. And that's on. Like I went through, I went through one photo stop with my parking brake still on. Because there's a parking brake. No, I know. Yeah. You know, so like there's just so many things to sit there and you're just like, man, like just boop, 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 boop. I feel like I'm in mission
1: control just getting the rocket no. ready to go. Like, apparently, is the Super Tenere similar? Work. ish or it was in the beginning where you had to do a bunch of shit it's, to turn this stuff off and that made it's it a so kind of a pain since in the I butt the
0: super tenere. i don't remember the super tenere being something as about the
1: abs and or, or something that just made it just wasn't that good to where say on the multistrada i think unless you disconnect the battery and even then I think it still holds like it's all the all the stuff's in the dash and the only time it would ever go away is if you change yeah, the dashboard that's
0: the way it should be i get why honda's doing it it's totally like to be safe you don't start the bike up with the abs off and then traction control off like you're always going to revert to the safest mode yeah. and that's a great default position to be in but i wish i want to say the bmw does this if you have fucking bmw with all their stupid tack on stuff but i want to say the enduro <laughs> pro module that you connect like under the seat allows you not to put up with that nonsense and their whole idea was (laughs) well you're a big enough idiot to plug this thing in under the seat so you take on all responsibility for that. Otherwise, yeah, we're going to go back to nanny mode every single time. I wish there was something like that with a Honda. Like I I can like fill out my, my paperwork, have my lawyer and notary there to certify that I don't (laughs) mind getting killed by your stupid motorcycle. (laughs) Send it into Honda corporate and they send back like, oh yeah, it's just up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B a select start. (laughs) And you're ready to go. Jensen, your, your bike is now, Uh, you know, christened to, to be fun to ride off road. You're like, that would be great if I had that option. That you just I, just, I just really got wound
1: up. After I that. know but you it did. Just, you just, I went back to Moab, and I remember being in the heat, just being frustrated about it. And you went full Nintendo generation there with Ooh, your left, Contra. right, left, right, up, yeah. down. Right? Yeah, wasn't that like Legends of Zelda? No, it's Contra. Contra? Yeah, that's how you
0: got the twenty lives. Uh, I ran, I ran Contra affair. Kind of, yeah. You huh. know, I, mean, I never actually thought about it that way. That probably was kind of what that was about. Was Oliver North in that uh-huh. video game? That was a fun game.
1: Was though. he crying in, the, in on the stand? <laughs>
0: <laughs> the worst part about that game, though, like there wasn't that many levels. There was like three or four levels, and then like you beat the boss, and it just started you over again.
1: It was just not like, at a harder level. Nope, nope, just all just, over again. Just not time to do it again. Yeah. All right. Well, sorry. Sorry no, to interrupt no, you. No, no. Ducati Ducati Superior how we get the rabbit system. holes Man, this is the, this is entertainment. So. That bike stays in what I like if I wanted to change that mode and on my older Multistrada, which was the previous gen 2014 Skyhook, but not DVT, I modified the crap out of each mode. Of course, I owned the bike for a year, so I tweaked the sport mode to be very sport, right? And I tweaked the enduro mode, trash control off. Like I hated the trash control on, yeah. even even at the most, the least intrusive. It still was not good on that bike with with the way I was riding it, even with stock tires off road. If you got into any um washboard area, which is usually the killer for most of these trash yeah, controls, you yeah. get into the washboard and it's just like on off off on on off off clock, off, 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 clock clock. It like, almost it exacerbates the, the washboard even more. It does. It makes it worse, right? On this bike, the way it was, it was amazing. Like I started going through some of the washboard stuff and you just kind of calm down your throttle a little bit. You didn't rip it and it would go of course slow down you go faster right and it worked really really well as it was like i was surprised and going up some pretty gnarly there's this one particular road that leads out of the china hat area up to pine mountain which is an observatory near bend and it's a pretty nasty rocky road it's it's dual track it's you could get you could get up it in a like a passenger car really slowly and you'd have to dodge a lot of rocks I'm just saying I'm trying to give give an idea. It's not that gnarly, but there's points where you have to pick your line and not go that fast. But boy, the that nineteen inch front wheel would just roll over fucking anything, and it was it, I never got jarred, even though I was I, I'd get to a sharp rock and I'd be like, oh, man, I have to go over this, and it would just go thunk right over it, no problem, which was really cool. And in some of the situations where I was at a very steep angle, uh, it's a low first gear on that bike. It has a different first gear than a, a standard Multistrada. So it it's really good in first gear uh, at low speeds, whereas a lot of Ducatis, mainly oh, for man. emissions, they love to have super tall gear because, you know. God, every, every yep. both my Hyper, yep. but my
0: Street Fighter even more. My Street Fighter hates it. It's like 30. race
1: level, close ratio oh. gearbox. And tall, then the clutch is gears. so
0: heavy too, it just makes it even worse. Yeah, it's
1: bad. It's a bad deal, but in this one, it's a good deal. Works really well. Also, the mirrors are canted forward in a very interesting way so that when you are standing up, you know, your arms usually get into a position where you hit the mirrors, especially if you're turning tight radius in the dirt. And these mirrors are made forward, they go forward before they, they, they go back. It's hard to explain it. But bottom line is when you're standing on the bike and you're maneuvering around, you, your arm, your forearms don't hit the mirrors when you're at lock, which is really cool. That's It's a very subtle thing, but it it's it's of note for that. Whereas on my other Multistrada, I would hit them all the time, sometimes causing them to go loose. So that was really cool. Um, once it burned down feel it was good uh, as far as weight. I, I mean, it's a big bike, and a lot of people need to understand that these bikes are compromises on a pretty high level, all of them. Uh, the GS, I can't imagine how heavy a GS Adventure is fully fueled i i would we'll have to look it up but the idea of the the ducati being i think the quote is that it's 540 wet mm, no it's higher it's gotta Sorry, be no, it's higher. i think it's five almost 580. that would make more sense yeah fully I'm, wet i'm trying to pull up the fuel uh, is six ga- six pounds per gallon about right so you gotta you gotta factor that in but i would definitely like to see uh, all these bikes weighed as they're shipped, not just some manufacturer's dry weight, curb weight, wet weight. I want to see what it is. So we have the uh, we have some scales at uh, at Motocorsa, and I can't wait to get it up on there, put put it up to to full fuel level, and see what it weighs. We also just got a KTM uh, 1290 Super Adventure. I'm going to do the so same
0: with BMW. Sorry to interrupt. BMW quotes the GSA fully fueled, ready to ride. Five hundred and seventy-three pounds.
1: Interesting.
0: So the Ducati's heavier.
1: Now the question is: Is What's that with weight? bags or is it without bags? That says unladen weight. Yeah. 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 So that's. I think Ducati's is with bags, and so I'd want to know. Pretty close though. No, I want. That's why I'm yeah. curious. I'm very curious yeah. because the new. This is one thing that Ducati's done well for so long, which is make lightweight. Well, this bike, especially once they put the VVT, on. Uh, the variable valve timing engine is quite a, a bit heavier. The new multi in general is heavier than the older ones. Which brings me to the engine. Off-road, I didn't even notice it. Uh, on Enduro, I probably never revved it over 4,000 RPM. It's a 160 horsepower engine. It's 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 horrible overkill for this type of shit, right? I can see why. Well, that's what
0: the Enduro mode's for.
1: Yeah, I know. But I bet that 160 is a bitching ride on the street. Yeah. No, no, no. I didn't like it. Really? So that was the interesting thing: was getting out on it and riding it. I'd ridden last year's Multistrada uh, at Pikes Peak. Uh, we had to break the bikes in that uh, Jamie Robinson rode. I was part of the yep. effort. Yeah, and I so, so I that spun. reminds
0: me. He says hi. I fr-
1: totally forgot about that. Appreciate that yeah. very much. Um, so we uh, had to ride two of these bikes and put a lot of miles on them at elevation. And you know, I just was like, all right, well, the, I can feel the the variable valve timing coming in. My mom has a Honda S2000, a 2000 model, which is the early high revving, super gnarly. Uh, Oh, yeah. And it was, I love it. I love the fact that you can ride around like a Civic. And then when it does go past whatever that variable valve timing point is, it's, you feel it. And that's cool. I like that. Uh, but that's not apparently the same type of thing that would happen with a Honda VFR 800 that had it like right at the spot where you're at cruising speed, where it would, it would go right. That's not what happens with the Multistrada. I just don't like the way it feels when it comes on, especially compared to my older 14 bike, which just had torque and linear power and you didn't have to think about it and it was just brap. and that's right? the thing
0: like, i haven't ridden the new the new i say new it's a year old now multistrada but i've the same motor ish is in the x diavel and i didn't really care for that at lower speeds when you get on the when you get on it you get on it it's cool but like around town <laughs> well, just kind of
1: it's so funny because the next thing i was about to say is put the X Diavel VVT motor uh, in this because uh, it's got that stroker of 12 uh, and that... It'd be brah. better. It'd be better. It'd it be, be better. Amazing.
0: But uh, I don't know. I
1: you, don't know. You don't like... You didn't like the... Could you feel the VVT coming? I never felt it on the Diavel the uh, On the
0: X Diavel for me, I just had too many times when I was in town when between the DVT and the Ride by Wire, what it was trying to figure out to do to make my... Two wheeled experience sublime just wasn't working for me. It yeah. just it just it was just more disconnected throttle issues and I've I've already I'm I'm kind of burnt out on my Ducati wonky throttle issues. I feel like they just need to get their ride by wire a little bit more sorted out on some of these bikes. It's, uh,
1: not, it's good. They're they're good. They're just not great. The this one I'd be interested. You're gonna have yeah. to ride this bike. Cause I definitely want to ride this. I bike. I didn't notice any weirdness with the f- ride by wire at all. I didn't yeah. even think about it. Yeah. The the engine was good, especially at. In the dirt, it was just once I got on the street, and I didn't ride it that hard on the street. I didn't ride it for that long on the street. I put three hundred miles on the bike, and most of it was dirt. That's and interesting. I didn't. I, I I just didn't like it as much as my. I, I will say it's not like this is a bad deal. Like, oh my God, you would never want this bike. It sucks. It's just I I had my other multi, and I liked that, my old multi. That's what really surprised me because that's where I kind of I kind of. So when I went to the Africa Twin launch,
0: I was expecting ninety-three horsepower. Yay! So this is going to suck on road. But then I was like, oh, you guys, you geared it correctly. Like you geared it. So like, and it's still under it's 93
1: horsepower. A lo- it's still a lot uh, of horsepower. Yeah, it's a lot of horsepower. It's
0: also a 511 pound bike in its manual form. So I, I I don't know if I said the correct weight before, but I looked it up. It's 511 for the, for the non DCT. That's wet. Okay. So it's still kind of a heavyish bike, but like I was expecting to be like 93 horsepower. Whoop! do you freaking do? Like you can even round it up to hundred but they geared they geared it right it's like it's like my hyper which is like i think 110 115 horsepower it's like but if you do the gearing right the rear wheel torque not the engine torque what's going to the rear yeah. wheel makes sense and like Honda got that right and i was like oh this is actually fun to ride on the street but my normal default position would be like the reason i like the multistrada and the 1190 KTM and the S1000XR is, I like that, like, hey, I've got my 150-plus horsepower street bike, which I'm going to rail and have a good time on. And then, you know, thanks to electronics, it'll neuter it down to about 100 horsepower, which is kind of the sweet spot for these bikes. You know, you see yeah. kind of, like, in Convergence, yep. there are all, like, the, the V-Strom's about 93 horsepower. The Honda Africa Twin is 93 horsepower. The BMW GS is 125. Like, they all kind of just kind of glommed into this 100 horsepower range is being like anything more than this off-road you're just wasting and i think that's smart but i like the idea at least in my head that i could like have that have my cake and eat it too but you're kind of sounds like what you're saying is i'm probably not gonna really enjoy the hundred it was like 165 horsepower yeah, i'm sure you would i'm sure you'd love it i i just I don't, don't know. we'll see we'll see i think i think i think what will happen i think we're gonna get a i think honda's gonna drop an africa twin off for us Maybe I That'd think, be I think pretty so. Cool. So we'll we'll definitely get some a chance to go ripping and tearing and doing a little compare and contrast, and
1: especially like so in the beginning. I really wanted. There's a specific ride I want to do on this bike. I wanted to get it to a certain top of a certain hill. Get video of it. I, I'm gonna do it. It's just I'm a little bit more reticent now that I've ridden it because it's so big. Yeah. Right. It doesn't. I mean, there's there's confidence inspiring, and then there's mm.
0: well, and it's the same thing. Like like what I was saying when when we were doing the off road stuff, like there was stuff that we were doing that I would never do by myself, just because you have to keep a margin of error, especially. You're out in the middle of the desert. It's hot. Like you break your leg twenty miles away from civilization, man. Like that could be a that could be a game changer. Especially and if you
1: couldn't lift the bike, you up. you can't lift the bike right. up by
0: yourself. Like I remember, where I won't name names on who who crashed their bike, but they were no way in hell getting that thing up on their own. Just wasn't going to happen. That was a, like a four man effort to get this that bike upright. At the Honda, thing. this is at the Honda thing, and it was yeah. just it was just in a bad place, sure. and we were very lucky; no one got hurt. And it is what it is. But like you know what, like on an incline with a rock with a six foot shelf you know six foot step up it's just not going to happen man i don't care how strong you are i don't you'd have a hard time doing it with any bike i don't yeah, sure. you know
1: it doesn't even matter that's a, a proper dirt bike yeah like a t- 250 probably, pound dirt bike you'd I, have into, it if issue. that was an
0: xr 650 you would have been pushing it down the hill until i like flipping it end over end until it got to the bottom and then picked it up because it just wasn't <laughs> going to happen. But you know, you know what I'm saying though. Yeah, like, there's some instances where,
1: like, you just, just the quickest way to go back up is to go back down. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, the bottom line is with these things, and we talk about these bikes like they're supposed to be this serious off road, and they are. Yeah, uh, you'll you'll watch the videos of people with GSs and KTM's doing all kinds of gnarly shit on them. There, there's been schools for these bikes now for, for over a decade. There, there's a lot of enthusiasm for them. But the bottom line is there's a one tenth of one tenth of one percent of people that actually do that. So when I'm riding around on this bike, I was thinking, how many multistrad enduro owners are going to do this? Ah, eh, there are gonna be an, there's gonna be a few. I think there's some built up um, there's some built up enthusiasm for people that just don't wanna have to ride a BMW. And there's been a lot of Ducati people that have have Bent towards the side of yeah, I will get my bike dirty. I will go and do this. I just don't want to own a KTM and I just don't want to own a own a BMW. So I'm I'm interested to see how it goes. Yeah. And will, how far will these things go? Because this is a ride to Prudhoe Bay bike. Is it a uh, race Baja bike? Well, for the first time ever, I could say that you, I actually would. It, you could prep a bike, this bike, to do that if you wanted to. It would probably not do well. I'm just saying that this bike actually could, whereas an old Multistrada, a uh, fuck no, right? multistrada, no, no. Yeah, you're right. But
0: you could also do the Baja on a KTM. You could do the Baja no, on the, the GSA the if you want Would be better. And the GS would work. And, and then I think the Africa twin, you got thrown there. Africa twin. I thought was very, it's probably the most competent off road adventure bike nah, I've been on.
1: I'm very, so that's yeah. what I, I was meaning to say when I was talking about the Multistrada was like, and that I'd be not reticent, but I I'll be, I, I'm yeah, reticent to go do the things that I really want to do on it. Whereas on the Honda, it sounds like it's like time to rip and tear. Let's get some video. Well, and here's the thing, right? How much is that Multistrada? This okay, so that's the that is the glaring thing. I'm riding along thinking, this is not my twenty four thousand right. dollars. I think it's 24, 23 out the door twenty four thousand dollar motorcycle. It's not you mine. You can get two Africa
0: Twins almost for the price of a Multistrada Enduro.
1: that's interesting yeah
0: it is interesting and then like tip that multi strata over and how much does that cost versus tip my honda over and how much does that cost Uh, i
1: don't know dude so here here's one thing i'll say for the multi the bags are tour as shipped they're they're not just the cheap plastic bmw vizio and ktm cheesy fucking plastic they are legit hard welded together aluminum. Yeah, that's not the thickest gauge. It wasn't the thickest gauge. I was no, going to say, like, but, I feel like I could put a dent in those but, pretty good. But at least they're that, so there's structure there. And yeah. then on the, the yeah. sides of the fairing, uh, and this bike didn't even have the the crash guards yet because they're not available yet. They're coming soon. It's a big old aluminum thing instead of plastic. Uh, what, that, are the hand guards still plastic? Yes. Yeah. That would be... So there's a couple things you'd have to do, which is, as you would with any one of these adventure bikes, is add... Uh, engine protection uh, fairing protection fuel tank protection right the G uh the Gs's the GSAs I think just come with it the KTM 950 or sorry 1290 I'm pretty sure the Super venture comes with it but the the multi you'd have to add and then um, the the handguards for sure they're plastic and they would have to be bolstered but I did that on my multi and shoot I did that on my street Fighter I added uh, hand protection with that has a metal yeah, insert because yeah. it my, is my a, hyper's got legit hand and protection and it's, a, too. it's yeah. well worth it to have that for it sure it is it is
0: um because I, I remember I think I had one of those tip overs on the hyper off-road that was just like the slow moat yeah. and it broke the plastic thing like that and we had that guy on the alley sweeper I don't even want to get into the story but the hyper <laughs> ended up on its side again and that with the metal ones it was no big deal not at all so yeah it's worth it for sure to to get those changes but um so so here's the question because I think we need to wrap this up. Okay. Would you would you buy a multistrada enduro? Would you yeah. would you spend 24 grand on it? Sure.
1: If I had the means and I was doing if I if I, mean, if like I like was what? in the market and I, you had to say pick one of these, I would absolutely buy it. Would I want to ride a KTM the one of the, the lighter, smaller ones off-road, you like the 1190, or yeah, you want to go smaller, the 1190, whatever one that's more geared for off-road, if R, it had the adventure 21-inch front wheel or something like that. I would want to ride that. I would want to ride the Honda. The Honda, out of all of them, I am a Honda CRF 250X owner. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, it has a Cristini kit on it, so I'm very stoked by that. But it's the, the Honda, the base Honda is one of the reasons why I bought it. Um, I have an XR 650L. I uh, have a, a Honda RS125. My my first motorcycle was a Honda NX125. My second motorcycle was a Honda VTR250. My third motorcycle was a Honda CBR600 F2. So before I bleed Ducati red, I bleed Honda red. So the Honda, especially that silver one, looks fucking bitchin'. Um, I, I really like it just from my... From the con- continuity of owning Hondas and liking them, the only thing that kills me is that it's a parallel twin, which I hate, but at the same time, it's a 270 degree and really doesn't matter, no. It's actually,
0: you know, it was funny because um, Jeff Tigert was giving us the, the, the technical breakdown on that. How small it is. It's small and there's some pretty trick things in there. They were really proud of the the water pump which is all internal and the single cam it's a, yeah. it's
1: it's just like my yeah. CRF or a lot of the CRFs they have that cool Uni-cam. single cam setup yep. it's a really neat thing so, so the there's, simplicity there's, is good
0: there's some cool things that they did you know and and i hear what you're saying about the parallel twin but like that wasn't really my issue with Yeah, it's the bike. not a deal breaker at all for no, me that's no. just
1: an annoyance for me but i so yes i would love to ride one of those cuz i would think about it uh, and it is more at the price point of what I could afford and/or own at this stage. I had the Multistrada, frankly, because I work for Ducati. Yeah. Right. I I got a bike at landed cost, which is really inexpensive. I had it for a year and I sold it, and I I basically had a free bike for a year. Right. That I couldn't do now. Uh, I could do something close, but I'm still uh, I don't know if I would do that with a with a with a full on Multistrada, just because I just don't think I would use it for what I'm not going to Alaska i i'm going to eastern oregon i enjoy that but i don't need an eight gallon gas tank to do most of the stuff i I just don't i don't need it right so if i'm gonna i'm in that weird blend where it's like well i'd rather just put my xr 650 in the back of my van drive to those areas and go screw around do i need a bike that i'm oh i'm gonna go to home and see my parents in texas no i'm not gonna do that so would i want to maybe i I mean of course i'd love to go see my parents but do i want to ride an adventure bike all the way down there. Ah, with a 21 I, front inch or 21 inch or sorry, 19 inch front wheel. Maybe. I yeah. mean, I, I, I'm just saying uh-huh. that's in I my I hear what you're it, saying.
0: I hear you saying it, it. The, the, the thing is, is like we went from having a toolbox that just had like a hammer and a saw and a level to now it's like a toolbox with like an impact hammer and a regular hammer and a claw hammer. And then there's like a rotary saw, a hand saw and a Dremel. And you know, you got this level and a
1: laser thing. And you know, um, is it a jack of all trades and master of none? No, I wouldn't say it's that bad. But it, it it's it's not necessarily for me doing what I want to do. It's not. But if somebody said I want a big adventure bike, I would absolutely look at this just as much as you would look at a GS. I I, I mean, truth be told, I hate GSs. I have for a long time. I've ridden them. I just they annoy I don't, me. There's nothing about the GS that I they I hate a lot. Um, it's just for me like
0: it's that thing when when I'm on the road and I'm going only have 125 horsepower, and I'm just kind of like, man, this bike's big, it's heavy, it's kind of underpowered. Hmm. You know, it does a lot of things really well, but it's it's the benchmark, and it's now everyone's out there gunning for it, and, you know, we're seeing some really good executions, and I'd be very, I think, to be honest, I think BMW's got to look at their design and come up with something big in the next year or two.
1: I think all of them have to look at that next step blower, which is what the Honda is, just just a little bit less uh, than than some of the big adventures because there's people that want them but don't necessarily need that Gigantor version. So that's why the 800s have done well for the Triumph and the and the, well, that's the thing. right? There's, there's like a middleweight segment that's starting to
0: pan out. We're starting to see some some movement in smaller displacements. There's a really good chance we'll see a 250 rally type bike later this year. Um, I think Honda eventually commercialized that 450 for for mere mortals to own.
1: You're talking about like the Dakar bike,
0: yeah? Because right now you have to be basically a privateer racer to be able to get yeah, your hands sure. on one of those. Um, contrary to what you may have read on the internet. Um, so it's interesting. Oh, I know I should mention. I totally glanced over this. I got to Honda was nice enough to have like all their kind of adventure ish bikes out there at the at the launch for us. So I rode the CB 500X, the NC 700X and the totally gonna mess it up vf it's not a vfr 1200x is it the one with the v4 engine the one with the v4 engine yeah i totally i'm blanking on the the honda name it's the cross tour in europe that bike I actually liked uh quite really? a, quite a bit huh. I, it is not an off-road bike it's like a <laughs> oh, yeah you would it, be very generous to calling it a 9010 yeah but it is a poor man's multi Like you just want a comfy bike that's big and you can haul your stuff and go two up and have fun ripping and tearing on the road. That's an awesome bike for it. And it's cheap and you can get it with the DCT on it if you want it. Is it cheap? What are we calling cheap? Oh, you're going to make me look up. I don't think, do we even have pricing in the U.S.? I'd have to go, I'd have to go searching for it. Is it available in the U.S.? They're bringing it to the U.S. That's why they had it there.
1: This is, Hmm. That's interesting. It has not been available in the US. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, because the V—it's a V4. It's the same V4 that's in the 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 VFR. VFR. So that's the thing, and that was like I
0: think that that for me, it's the same chassis, it's the same engine. Obviously, different suspension and different components and fairings and blah blah. And blah, the blah, engine's blah. rad, right? Because that was the awesome thing. Like, it kind of sucked in the VFR. I think especially because like you've looked where the VFR has been and where it's going to. And you're like, I feel like each generation of the VFR Honda just keeps fucking it up more and more and more. (laughs) It's true. You know, yeah, that's been the feedback from the owners. And I think Honda kind of knows it, but like in an adventure sport, I'm kind of using that term loosely here. It works really well. It's a peppy engine. It's fun to ride. Yeah, it's big, but you expect an adventure bike to be big and heavy. So you don't get kind of like your panties in a bunch when like your sport tour is like this big pig of a, of a bike like it it meets the expectations well and it and it it is a good package so i like that a lot the nc uh 700x and the uh the cb 500x kind of didn't really blow my hair back i mean i I, I couldn't tell you why you would buy one and not the other those are bad parallel twins oh man i mean they couldn't even i couldn't even get them over 100 miles an hour even on the downhill like you just there's just not a lot going on there. They're they're cheap bikes. I'm sure you could just put some armor on them and just put some knobbies and not feel bad about when it fell over and just tear it up. But for me, I was just like, It ah. wouldn't be any fun. Wouldn't that's ha- the way I, I feel. I'd about not have any fun on them.
1: That's the way I feel about a lot of these middleweight, like riding the BMW 800, the most soulless parallel twin, <laughs> horrible engine that I've ever, I mean, just, just, patently the worst engine i've ever just horrible fucking horrible like it takes Tell away from really the experience think, of being a motorcyclist right yeah. that kills me so there's certain engines that i just i can't believe that people even try and produce without killing themselves yeah i think i think for honda those bikes were just so budget oriented yeah. Yeah, new yeah. rider oriented that yeah
0: it's cool that they made a little more of an adventure flavor for them it's going to work for some people but yeah not me not me for sure but it was cool to get to ride it, it was cool to see kind of then their entire lineup I th- totally yeah if they came out with like an 800 750 cc ish 600 cc whatever version of the africa twin i think that would fucking kill yeah maybe that's you know maybe at that point it is like the sierra 450 rally or not i don't know but it'll be interesting to see like they're definitely they're definitely chewing on some gristle there this
1: is the first time though that honda's made a bike that i i can it's a palpable enthusiast driving more people that i know in motorcycleling in general, are ins- excited about this bike than any other Honda in a really long time. Unfortunately yeah. for them, because they've made some really boring stuff. so Honda's
0: got some cool shit coming out. Um, I got I got a little whiff of what may be coming down the pipe. I think I think we already kind of really know. Um, that Honda CBR 250 Double R. Yeah, that sounds like that's gonna be pretty wicked. Um, obviously there'll be a CBR. 1000 double R replacement coming out soon. But that they wouldn't be, say, they wouldn't
1: verify that's a VFR 1000. They wouldn't tell me shit, which they, of, of course, I really expect them sure.
0: to, but you know, they, there's enough, like there's enough smoke to that fire that they're going to like, well, there could be some cool stuff in the fall. Yeah. Keep sure. your eyes out for it. It'd be a press launch. You'd really want to go to. I'm <laughs> like, all right, thanks, dick Now you just got my appetite wet. But but the, you see like that that kind of stuff coming down the pipe like like, okay, your superbike could be pretty awesome. you've got some cool kind of adventure stuff kind of in the pipeline you've got some 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 cool some cool stuff percolating like i like I like where Honda's headed right now like i'm I've just been waiting for the Japanese manufacturers to wake up and it's it's just good to see it, man, you know, like
1: I've been waiting. did Here. you see by any chance the so every year at like one of the all japan championship dirt bike races, they usually bring out the like the next year's Honda yeah, yeah and yeah. there was a there was some spy photos of this one and it, it like it didn't have the air forks and and it went back to having spring forks and there were some really interesting little details on it and i it just gets you all like giddy because that's kind of the way that's just neat because you're looking at stuff that it's being developed yeah. and they kind of have it out there even though they might just take it back into their hole and and shove it away and you'll never see yeah. it again but just the idea that they take that stuff out there is kind of cool i like that i like that it keeps and then for the, the longest time a lot of the vfr well rvfs that were going to suzuka 8 hour suzuka 8 hour used to be such a big deal because i think i'm going
0: this year oh
1: dude i hate you
0: i think this is gonna be a good year i can't i can't name any names <laughs> who would be there
1: yeah um yeah. but it
0: sounds like it's gonna be cool
1: yeah well either way that's that's an amazing thing because that that was, for the longest time, the proving ground for everything, right? All the cool shit was going there. So, recently, it's just been four-cylinder inline, four-cylinder, right? But, you know, you'd see trickle-down of cool trick stuff, and hopefully, it'll get back to that point. Hopefully.
0: We shall see.
1: All right. Ready to ready to wrap this up? Wrap it do. We didn't do the
0: whole follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, leave a review on iTunes, Spiel, so we'll
1: just save you that. And then just kick, you know, kick stands up.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. Please leave a review on iTunes if you want to have Quentin continue saying to kick stands <laughs> up. <laughs> what? <laughs> Good talk. See you out there. The Two Enthusiasts Podcast. Revved for your pleasure. Huh? Huh? Yeah. Really? I thought that one one was pretty good. Revved for your pleasure. Revved for her pleasure. Revved for her pleasure. (laughs) It's not. Does it change? Does it get better if I do different inflections?